Welcome to the WEPC Discipleship Podcast, because the gospel changes everything. Welcome to uh, season three of the WPC Discipleship Podcast, episode nine. Uh, two weeks later. Two Woo! weeks later. We've <laughs> taken, we took a little bit of a fortnight break, uh, but here we are. I am Joe. I'm Sarah. I'm Elliot. Yes, and we are back after two weeks. Uh, what were you guys doing over these past uh, two weeks? All kinds of stuff. Surviving. <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> my kids were out of town for a week uh at uh camp willow run so that was a that was fun for them and fun for em and i just to relax and i have to get them from two to two to fro yeah and i was gonna lead this podcast while all three of you were out next week last week i was gonna lead it by myself but i figured i couldn't record it <laughs> ask the questions answer the questions so i was really looking forward to that i know you were that would have been our highest rated episode, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people are looking for more me. I, I would have loved it. I would have loved it. Uh, uh-huh. uh, that would have been great, it, especially if you had done like different voices. Yeah. Oh, that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be beautiful. Pretend to be me. That would be fun. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. Well, Okay, uh, for, a, for a later episode. For a later episode. Uh, well, if you... Uh, intrepid listener if you remember two weeks ago uh these guys uh, i was not here so it's actually been three weeks since i've been here um and gordon uh joined you too as y'all looked at uh the conversion of cornelius acts 9 32 through eleven eighteen. 18 uh and i just want to say before we move on to um acts eleven nineteen through chapter 12 two weeks ago when y'all met the three of y'all met and i was not there uh, y'all discussed Doctor Who without me, and I just wanted to say I'm very sad about that. I wish I know. I I'm sorry. Could have been part of that conversation. I feel like I failed you, Joe. That's all right. But uh, I brought it up so we can bring it up every episode if you want. <laughs> uh, as I was listening to the podcast, y'all started talking about the phone box. It's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. That but is it's the- a police box. It is a police box. Yes. I was right. You were right. The TARDIS, <laughs> time and relative dimension in space, the TARDIS. It was stolen by the Doctor. Uh, do you guys want, Elliot, you want to talk more about uh, Doctor Who? <laughs> when you guys said last two weeks ago we discussed Doctor Who, you mean Gordon and Sarah discussed <laughs> Doctor Who. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I... I'm not competent enough in the Doctor Who mythology <laughs> to even be able to discuss Doctor Who. So yeah. I don't think here's that the thing me. about Doctor Who. And I'm just going to say this. It's one of those things that I was very skeptical about until my friend was like, just give it a few. And I kept going. And then I was in and it was so good. It got yes. deeper and deeper. And it is. It's bigger on the inside. And so yeah. kind of like yeah. our segue of thinking of like what it means to be a Christian, which this scripture we're about to get into was, I guess, probably the least amount that I knew about Acts. Like I just did not really, I feel like this part just kind of escapes me often. So I thought this was cool, but this is actually where we're going to see people being called Christians, right? For the first time. That is exactly Um, right. And 
that's pretty exciting. So, um, that's like, yeah, we're, it's bigger on the inside. Let's, let's get to it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So we are, we are now getting to Acts 11, 19 through the end of chapter 12. And so this is like a hinge, um, section of Acts. So, um, Sarah, it, it slips from your mind. Partly because some, some of it, some, some of, of it, it does. Yeah, I understand. I, understand. I totally understand. It is one of the three prison breaks, you know. So there's like, <laughs> I, it it can all meld together. I, I'm guilty of that often. Of like, uh, which prison break is this? Um, um, but this is a a hinge section. This is the end of part one. If you split acts right down the middle between part one and part two. Uh, this is the end of part one. This is the end of like Jerusalem, Judea. Peter is the main guy. After this, like starting next week, Paul, Saul is the main guy. Um, and so this is uh, this is Peter's swan song, if you will. Like after this chapter, I think Peter's only mentioned one other time in Acts. And that's like around the Council of Jerusalem in, in 15 because he's part of the crew uh uh, but he's not a main character. So this is like the end of, of Peter's um, time in Acts. I think that's uh, worth uh, thinking about. And so here we are at uh, chapter 11, verse 19, the church in Antioch. In verse 19, now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as, and then Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Um you know, this remind this harkens back to that whole persecution after Stephen's martyrdom. And that is really what spread the gospel beyond the confines of the city of Jerusalem. I mean, it sent it out into all these sections. Uh, and here we are. Um, and you see this over this connection of Barnabas. I mean, they talk about Barnabas and Saul right here. Um and which is sort of like a precursor to what we're going to hear a lot more. We're going to hear a lot more about Paul uh, afterwards. But uh, in Antioch, Sarah is exactly right. Verse 26, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Um, so I didn't realize I read a bunch about Antioch and I did not realize how kind of nasty a place that was. I, I just yeah. didn't. I don't know why I would have known that or didn't know that, but like um, there was all kinds of stuff going on there. It was pretty dark. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was interesting. And I think from stuff I was reading that they sort of were using the term Christians as kind of like a, almost like a, a, a mocking. Yeah. And kind of like, that was like a funny term for, you know, believers of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. And, but they, but they loved it because it was like, Jesus people and they were like well this is great this is you know that's who we are right so you're saying it in jest of us but it's honestly is a is a great you know a great (laughs) telling of who we actually are right yeah I think there's a lot of evidence to say that this the use of Christians was originally a pejorative term like you stupid Christians like uh yeah and then they turned it around on their head, uh, on the head and saying, yeah, sure. You want to call me Christians? Yes, we'll be Christians. Um, I agree. Okay. Uh, what different efforts were made to nurture the new believers at Antioch? 
so that you know that it's spread out and you see in this section of um the gospel going to antioch and uh, so what different efforts were made to nurture the new believers there what do you think Um, well, first of all, the hand of the Lord was with them and they believed. And then there was like encouragement in Barnabas, um, who exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. I just love, yeah. Have we talked about Barnabas yet? I think we did. Uh, Like we mentioned him. Like, I just love that he's such an encourager to Barnabas. Yeah. Love him. And I, you know, what, what I was, I was reading this this morning and what struck me about, yeah, Barnabas is an encourager. That's what his name means. That's what he is. But uh, in verse 23, what you just made mention of Sarah, when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was was glad glad. and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. What, what struck me is encouragement is not, hey, great job. Encouragement. I mean, it's part of that, but it's not just you know, you're wonderful, (laughs) but encouragement is saying like, I'm encouraging, I'm giving you courage. I'm encouraging you to move forward, uh, to like, he's, he's, he's leading them. I mean, he's encouraging them through, he's leading them through encouragement. I'm encouraging you to remain faithful. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's important to say Like I, uh, I, I want to be an encouraging person in my life. And, um, I think that's more than being kind. Yeah, I think like my mind says exhorted and I think exhortation is a really good word for just reminding me it's like a little more of a, I don't know, it holds a little more clout with me when I hear that word over encouragement, I guess, Um, because it seems like we use the word encouragement a lot as Mm -hmm. like, oh, yes, have a little Mm -hmm. candy or something, a little sweet something. (laughs) Like It's like, no, 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 like this is the real solid stuff, like saying the hard stuff in love and um, spurring each other on not giving up and um yeah i mean it sounds good when you're like he's glad he exhorted them all to remain faithful but like what did that really look like i don't know (laughs) i love barnabas i have to chime in here like he's one of my favorite characters in 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 the bible like other than jesus right (laughs) i I feel like i have to say that uh but it's just it strikes me that in this context it's like they didn't go in there and like lay down some theology. I mean, they could have given them tactics for living, uh, some life hacks, some you know, faithful practices. All, but it, like Barnabas just goes straight for the heart. You know, it's mm-hmm. like like you said, he's like giving courage to them to encourage them in heart. Like that just speaks something to me about mm-hmm. what they felt was important in at, in the moment there, mm-hmm. um, and. I did not know that Elliot about Antioch being like just a crazy, nasty place. And I would imagine if you were going to take on living this very different lifestyle, uh, you're going to need some encouragement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what well, I think in, too, in a variety of different ways. Yeah. And I think too, one of the most important things is they went there for a whole year. Yeah. So like, I think it's just being there like i think like you think sometimes like you go to these like tent revivals and you show up for two weeks and then you move on to the next city like and undoubtedly the lord can work in those too don't get me wrong i'm not saying they can't but like these guys set up camp 
in a dark place and preached the gospel, taught, spent time, like just were with them for a long period of time. And I think that's such an important piece too. like uh, just the, the pouring out and knowing that they probably needed that whole year, you know, because to, to, to Gordon's point with being a dark place, like, it, you know, I'm sure Sim was around all the time. So just to help them get on solid footing and to be able to, to really look like Jesus to the people of Antioch was a task in itself. And it took time. Yeah. And so I appreciate the time that they put in. Yeah. Yeah. I also appreciate that it says he was a, full of the Holy spirit and of faith. Like the, cause I, I'm, I am prone to put people up on like, Oh, he's so awesome pedestal. But it's like, what made him a good man was he was full of the Holy spirit and of faith and, and God was doing that in him. And that, um, I was thinking of, I've been thinking of the Sermon on the Mount a lot this week, but just thinking of how Jesus is calling us to be lights in the world, um, and calling us to shine and not put our, you know, not hide under a lampstand or all like, there's something about letting, um, himself be totally himself who is filled with the spirit and that is his strength. And that, yes, especially in a dark place, you're going to shine. But also, like how important that is. That that is like that. This is part. Of, this is part of God's plan right now. That they're going to be in this dark place, but the church is going to grow. They're going to be encouraged, and it's going to be because of the Spirit's work. Again, it's it's this. There's the only formula is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like that's it, and trusting Him to to fill us and um, guide us along the way and. Um, be unified together to, to love each other, to build each other up and that people are coming to know Jesus. Like this is, this is it. This is happening. And they're being called little Christians, little, little Christ, I guess. Isn't that what Christians means? Little Christ or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something I mean, like we're, that. Christ, yeah, like whatever. whatever it means. Yeah, tribe yeah. of Christian or, or belong to Christian or little Christian. Yeah. 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 Um, but, Oh yeah. I, Anyways, it, interesting, as it was going through, I just do not remember Agabus, Agabus, whatever. That was just like, I was like, hey, I don't, I don't remember him at all. Is this his only time being mentioned? Do you know anything about him? Uh, he's mentioned one other time, I'm pretty okay. sure. But uh, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. Yeah, it's one of these rare um, times that reminds me that Acts is uh, descriptive and not prescriptive. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, because he he's a prophet, you know, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And that's not a term that's used often uh, after Jesus or after John the Baptist and after Jesus. Um, but he uh, yeah, he comes and he's he's definitely in the spirit. Right. I mean, he speaks through the spirit uh, and predicts something in the future. Um it's, I think it's descriptive of this great moment in the history of humanity that uh, the church is being born and the spirit is breaking through in amazing ways. And Agabus is one of these experiences. Yeah. Or one of these uh, people, prophets. Cool. Just curious. <laughs> you guys, you guys are amazing. Like the Barnabas is so faithful. He's full of the spirit. He's like Elliot said, he's remaining true and. He's mo- he's staying there for a year and plus, and um, and it says in verse twenty five he went off to and he looked for Saul and uh, he went down to Tarsus and he got him because Saul remember is has is just sort of like 
learning and growing. And he's been converted. He had his moment with Ananias and Straight Street. And um, he's, or not Ananias, um, whoever he went to the home of, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, either way. Um, I thought it was Ananias. Is it Ananias? Not? Yeah. There's a couple you're Ananias. Right, you're right. You're right. Ananias. <laughs> that, my head broke apart for a second there. Um, and then, and then in, ver- in chapter 12, we get this great story about Peter. This is, like I said a few moments ago, this is Peter's swan song. Um, and I think there's some connection. There's some, there's reasons why this is included in Acts as his swan song. I think as his final big event, uh, in many ways, it, it parallels a lot of the story of Jesus and uh, the end there. Um, so in, in the verse one of chapter 12, it's about this time that King Herod mm. arrested some who belonged to the church um, and he killed James, the brother of John. He killed one of uh, one of the sons of thunder, one of the sons of thunder, um, which is sort of like, you know, if you're reading this text and you get to that point, you think, oh, wow, this is like a big deal. <laughs> I th- mm-hmm. I would think, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not just, oh, everyone is going to be fine now. Everyone's going to be healthy and, you know, great. But no, this is like a legit problem. Right. Um, and it's coming right after some encouraging stuff. And then it's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Woe is right. Um, yeah, King Herod. This is different than the King Herod and the Gospels. This is like the, uh, I think... I said the grandson. The grandson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, does it say that in the text? It does not say that in the text. Okay. Stuff I was reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like Agrippa the first or second, one of them. I can't remember. Yeah, Agrippa the first. Agrippa the first. And he is evil. And I think the reason that most of the time he's known as Agrippa, but I think Luke, when he's writing Acts, he wrote King Herod because he's Herod Agrippa. But I think he wrote Herod to draw your attention back to this reminds us of this other horrible guy named King Herod, his grandfather, um, mm-hmm. who does something horrible. And so he, you know, it's during the time of Passover and he arrests Peter and Peter is in prison. And then we get this really detailed of the prison breaks in Acts. This is the most detailed story. So. First, uh, I'm going to ask the question from the study guide. Try to put yourself in Peter's sandals. That's a joke. (laughs) What do you think it was like to be led out of jail by an angel? Well, before we do that, I feel like we have to back up. I feel like yeah. we have to back up and talk about the the jailbreak and like how what I, I just thought it was interesting that Herod, you know, had strapped him because I think in that day it was typical that you would have one person, you know, a guard strapped to your arm, and he not only had a guard strapped to his right arm and his left arm, yeah. and had two guards watching him. There were four guards um, given just to, to Peter to make sure that he hadn't escaped. Um, and then it's just so interesting to me that that not only does he escape, which 
we can ask the question of how does it feel to be let out and you know if you were peter but herod then is like he does not believe the guys he's like no that's no way that happened yeah. which is so interesting like you put all this forward to to make sure nothing happened and it did obviously something supernatural you would think had happened yeah yeah, yeah. he just couldn't believe it yeah yeah i think if i were peter I'm wondering, like, how, well, do we know how long he was, he says he was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him. So we don't know exactly how long he was there. I mean, it it was over, it was on the time of Passover, so it couldn't have been very long. It might have been, it probably was only one night. Uh, Okay. But, yeah. Okay. So it must feel really surreal. I don't know. That's all I can think of is, like, even though you're in the midst of this spiritual movement of the way of Jesus and you're filled with the spirit. I'm sure that there's just things that like our human, it's just hard to know what that would feel like. I don't know. Like I feel, except for surreal. Um, Cause he's like, he did not know what was doing, was doing, was mm-hmm. being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Mm-hmm. So it says right there that he's not even <laughs> like, knows what, he doesn't even know what's going on. And maybe he thinks it's just like, this is what I, you know, God needs to show me something right now. But it's like, no, actually, now I'm, now I'm came to myself and I'm, I'm, I'm rescued. Like, hallelujah. Yeah. Like, especially after his, his, um, friend has died and like, why am I so lucky? Not lucky, whatever, you know, like why, why am uh-huh. I being spared right now? Um, what was going on? What's this about? I mean, there's probably a lot of questions, maybe survivor's guilt, maybe, um, just being falling to your knees, grateful, all of it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head about just the trauma that would be happening in Peter's life in in the whole church's life. James, the brother of John has been murdered by King Herod. It seems like pressure is coming down now that the gospel and the church is spread beyond Jerusalem and into the outer realm of Judea the authorities are pressing in and starting to to kill the leaders of the church. Like James, James and John or James brother, John was murdered, but also like the great persecution. I mean, how, we don't know how many Christians were murdered at this time. And the early church gathers in a room to pray, maybe to pray, but also to like cower in fear. I, I would, I would imagine if I was them, I'd be like, I don't want to be murdered. And then Peter is now he's thrown in prison. So we've lost James and now we're going to lose Peter and Peter himself in prison. Like, is this a vision? Cause this is an apocalyptic moment in the life of humanity. The gospel is, or the Holy spirit is breaking in, bringing this new era in the history of humanity. And, Peter might be thinking, oh, I guess when you die as a Christian, maybe you just see a vision of angels and, mm. you know, he might, he might not know, like, well, how do yeah. you die as a, as a believer in this Jesus person? Um, that's, I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine um, this shocking time. Well, <clears throat> the thing I like about this passage the most is not, not Peter getting con- like taken out of jail. It's just the idea of like, the amount of like it, it specifically talks about prayer and the church praying for um and what's funny is 
obviously it's this example of prayer is powerful and prayer has a purpose and prayer works as a big message, I think in these couple of verses, but what's very funny to me is when he shows up, they don't, they don't believe, (laughs) which is so very funny to me. Like, they're like, no, that's obviously like a ghost of his, or it's like some angel or like whatever. It's, it's obviously not Peter. Yeah. It's this very funny thing, this thing that they've earnestly been praying for. And it sounds like they weren't just like, Hey, we, we prayed like for 30 seconds and then we called it a day. Like, I think they were praying Yeah, and um, they don't believe that God can even show up and do that, Yeah, which I think is, is kind of funny, but kind of speaks to how I pray today too. Yeah. yeah, and the sweet servant girl doesn't even open the gate for him. <laughs> well, and someone yeah. I was someone I was reading was saying like that's like a great telling of like why this is like you know you can believe this is a true account because that's exactly how we would like react. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know it would be interesting if she just opened the door. I'm like, hey Peter, what's going on? Like, um, it's it's this idea of like she's like she runs back and tells him she never even opens the door for him. Like that's something mm-hmm. like you know. I would do, or that'd be on a sitcom today or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I have a question for you, Joe, with um, how someone, she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying it is his angel. What are they meaning? When Uh, they say it is his angel, are they just like, they're just going for something there? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I cannot answer that question authoritatively (laughs) right now. uh, Cause I, I don't know. I would chalk that up. My opinion is they would. I, I chalk that up to another moment of the traumatized church not knowing what <laughs> is happening. Uh, so sort of like what Elliot is saying, just like yeah. this is a real account and it doesn't make sense because, uh, you know, it's a real account. It really happened. And I, I think they just don't know what's happening. That's my guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there was some like I read something about some belief that Jews had a, a belief in guardian angels. Like there was I, maybe I'm going down some weird track, but I had read um, something. Yeah, I mean, there's there Second Temple literature is a little convoluted. There's different mm. uh, Judaic beliefs, but very few of them believed that human beings turned into angels. Like uh, that's not a normal. Right. Belief in Christianity or in uh, in uh, Judaism. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure. Yeah, it would be interesting to think about it, though, like if you're in the midst of like confusion and like everything feels surreal, like whatever thing you've ever heard probably comes up in your mind, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like anything is possible. But yeah. 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 Anyways, just curious. I love it. And uh, I think. I think I think it's wonderful to make mention of um, like the fact that it's a new it's a real event. You know, a servant girl. Her name is Rhoda. Her name is or she's her name is mentioned. Um, yeah. I just I praise the Lord for that. I just praise God for like I was just reading yesterday about the horrible story in Judges about um, uh, the unnamed uh, the unnamed prophet who has concubine unnamed concubine is horribly treated and then murdered and mutilated and she's never named. And I was reading that and just being really hurt by that. Like it's just a horrible story. And then I read this this morning and I was encouraged that in this moment, uh, you know, this servant girl that 
came to answer the door, uh, she's named. And, you know, our names are in the book of life. Um, mm. Praise God for that. Um, yeah. So um, then, uh, you know, the I think another thing that I just want to make mention of is how parallel this is to the story of Jesus. Uh, you know, this is this this very much is similar to the story of Jesus's death and resurrection. Like he, Peter had gone down and there was death at the beginning of James of the story. Peter went down into prison um, and then on Passover itself. I mean, the story of the angel coming and tapping him on the shoulder and saying, get up and walk out. Uh, and then who are the people that see him are, uh, the Mary, the mother of John at her home and Rhoda, this other servant girl and the disciples don't really believe it's happening. I mean, I think there's intentional parallel to the resurrection story of Jesus to this story of Peter. Um, mm. And, you know, it's just a, a powerful, powerful thing. And then the final little story of our section is the story of, King Herod or King Herod Agrippa and um, what happens to him because the angel came and tapped Peter on the shoulder and said, get up, get out of prison. And in this story, the angel came and tapped him on the shoulder and said, you're dead uh, to King Herod. He brought the mighty low. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't have a good question about that. I mean, <laughs> see this, uh, this death of Herod Agrippa and how easy it would be when people are praising you and saying, oh, you're God, you're, you're not just man, you're God, right? Um, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. That's what the people are shouting about him because they loved him so much, which is not true. They were terrified of him, but. They just wanted to, and his response mm. was not to give praise to God, and an angel came and struck him down. Um, I don't have a good question, guys. It's just boom. Yeah, I think that is like justice. You know, it's like this. This is this is the stuff that it's like whoa, like our God is powerful and he does not, um, I mean, he did, well, he defends his, his name and his people. And, um, he does not like his praise being given to any man. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. that there is this scene in this end of this chapter of Herod being struck down is probably, weirdly the most encouraging thing to these people at the time <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> to know like, okay, it feels like there's a lot of death and like stuff that's going on. That's really hard. Um, but God is not out of control here. He he's in control and he is the real God, the real voice of God. And he's going to start and finish yeah. what he said he was going to do. And, um, like I love verse 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. What did Herod do? He was eaten by worms and breathed his last, but the mm -hmm. word of God increased and multiplied. <laughs> Bam. 
It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's this great picture too of like, I mean, we're not talking about, we're not talking about, we didn't read the whole entire thing of Acts. We wrote half of 11 and 12. Peter dies, is martyred, you know, and then at the very end, and Herod thinks he's like, you know, got the glory and all that stuff. And ultimately it's, he doesn't have the glory. Right. And he thinks he's God and he is not God. And I think it's a great example of us just as believers that think like when we think we have it all under control or think that we are the authors of our lives, it's good to be reminded. Um, I mean, James was martyred. Sorry. Yeah. Peter was there. Anyway, um, but it's good to be reminded that we are not in control, that the Lord is in control, but that's far better for us than when we think we are in control. I, I just, I just think it's interesting to see like just these small little vignettes and it's not a very big part of acts and Herod thinks he's on top of the world. And ultimately the Lord comes back and says, no, yeah. I actually am reigning supreme. And yeah. to, to Sarah's point, all glory should be given to me and not to man. Yeah. And how quickly he can, he can turn what Herod thinks is a victory for him into sudden defeat. Yeah. yeah. And I think just the contrast of, Oh, he, Herod's angry. He wants, he needs to be appeased. People are shouting to praise him because they're afraid. Like what kind of ruler is that? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, I don't know. It makes me think of, um, I was watching like about the mythology of Greek and Roman gods. And I was just like, everything about that is such an angry origin story. Like it's mm. so hateful and angry and like totally talking about the depravity of man like imagination but it's like to think that we have a god who's goodness and um he is not um what am i trying to say like he's not punishing us because he has taken on the punishment that he's appeased in christ to to um to be a God of love, like true love. Like we, I mean, that is revolutionary, especially in this time period where the, I mean, like the, the way that the government was set up was this is God. Like this is the way that it works. And it's like, woo, you could be, you could be a little more, you could not be more wrong. How about that? (laughs) Like very, very sad, but how sweet we have a God who, like no i'm gonna make sure that this is clear to my people and i'm gonna lead you guys all the way yeah yeah i i I, thank you for bringing that up because i I hadn't really thought about it how herod is a leader that has a lot of power and yet he ends in death and destruction because he doesn't really know where the true power lies Mm. but then the power of the church in this little vignette as you're saying elliot this little vignette the leaders of this church, one is imprisoned and just follows angels. Uh, uh, another small one, Agabus, he's just through the spirit predicting what's going to happen in the future in means to help people, not even for a reason to like for his own power, but just to help people. And then mm-hmm. we see Barnabas who's encouraging people to remain strong in the Lord and full of the spirit. Uh, you know, like the church is increasing through leaders that are simply following the Lord and trying to help people and trying to give glory to God and anyone who steals glory from God ends poorly. 
so mm. in the last few moments that we have, uh, what is uh, something the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart from the study of this passage? I already kind of mentioned it, but this whole idea of like the power of prayer, like they earnestly pray for Peter's freedom and for his safety. And it comes true. And I just, but then it's very funny to me, then juxtaposition of the fact that they, when he shows up, they don't even believe it, but that's just kind of funny to me. But like, um, I think for me, just, you know, do I spend time earnestly praying for things or do I just, you know, check the box quickly? Like, oh, let me pray for the girls today or let me pray for this day and then move on with my life. Mm-hmm. So just this idea of like, do I, am I earnestly praying for anything? And do I believe that God can actually show up and, and move mountains if, if I pray those things, if they're of his will? So. Yeah, I love that. I think I, I think the thing that I'm processing is that, there's not one way that God is working with every believer. Like he's, he's individually meeting them and leading them. And I don't know why I always think that I'm going to figure out what he's up to. Like, that's so silly, but, um, but just to be led and to trust him. And I think, um, also just to be, uh, aware that I am human and I have, my own, um, my own things that I like, I have my own propensity to want to have power or whatever. And it's like, Ooh, that's ugly. I don't want to say that. But, um, but when life really is good and you you feel God's presence and like, um, for me, like it's, it's when I'm not focused on me, it's when I'm focused on him and, and loving others. And it feels like, um, that is the way to be like God, God has a way for us. And I want to be like that, you know, like Mm -hmm. I want to be for him and his glory and I want to be for others and loving them. Um, and we can just fall so like quickly off at times. And, um, but he's going to keep coming after us in the grace of that. And that we do have a God of love and who leads us. And, um, he's very, he does know us by name. So I think, those are the things I'm kind of thinking about. Um, and just to thank God for the stories. Like you did say, like we know the sweet little Rhoda's name and Agabus and, <laughs> um, and that there are people that have gone before us and sacrificed everything so that we would know the name of Jesus, mm. um, just to stand on their shoulders and, and thank God for their life and their story and the way that he worked in their life. Like it might not, we might not be called to that, and we might be, but we might not, but either way we're called to something and he's going to keep calling us and, um, to take the next step. Like maybe it's escaping prison and not knowing that that's even happening. Like Peter, you know, or maybe it's just 
showing up and encouraging someone to have steadfast faith in the God of steadfast love. Mm. So, yeah. That's what I'm processing. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, you? I'm moved by this. Like this short section that so much is packed into this thing. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm struck. Like God is for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, are, there's so many different perspectives on this one thing that happened. I mean, like you have this, these new believers, but on top of that, you've got the murder of their friend. Peter's thrown in prison. Like, from the church's perspective, I mean, like to Joe's point, there's like this traumatic stuff is, is, is happening from Peter's. If I was Peter and I'm chained to four guards and I'm, I'm probably thinking I, it's over. Like, I, I thought we were going to go further than this, but I think it's over. Like, there's no mm. way I'm getting out of here. Mm. And from the church's perspective, you know, I mean, they were probably looking at this like, what do we do? Like, what if this doesn't work? What if this fails? Like, what if this is all just like a dream? Like this, we're just, a, this is some kind of big lie or something like mm-hmm. we've just fallen into some myth. Um, but really the, the, the perspective that matters. And I think what scripture is like teaching me is like God's perspective on this whole thing was nothing gets in my way. Yeah. Nothing stops me from accomplishing my purpose. Yeah. And I'm, t- I'm going to take this guy out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he gets to do that because he's holy and he, he's, he's just, he's in control. All things hold together because of him. And like, no matter, like it just, it makes me just think about my, my circumstances and my disappointments and all the things going on in my life and thinking, uh, one of the things I've been thinking of recently is, like, it's never about what if for me because I'm a believer. It's always about even if. Mm-hmm. Like, even if this happens, even if that happens, like, God's still for me. Yeah. Like, you know, and it, I, that can say that with ease right now. Yeah. In the middle, in the midst of disappointment, that's hard to, like, wrap your head around. But it's true. And that's what's so great about this passage is, like, in the end of this disturbing thing that's going on, mm-hmm. God, God reaches down, taps that guy on the shoulder, and he's done. Mm-hmm. Like that guy's plan, his evil plan was through. Mm-hmm. God's purpose moved forward. I, I'm just, I, I'm just kind of like reeling from that. So yeah. I had to had to chime in. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. I, I love that. I, uh, I think I probably have a similar similar responses, y'all, and don't need to say much more. I, I, it's the the work of God in the history of time, and you know the the old question of why to bad things happen to good people. If you really think about it, the question should be, why do good things happen to bad people? Yeah. Um, and like everything mm-hmm. you guys all were just saying, like the story of this little section is God is in control and he's superintending every little thing. Um, and even when it looks like things are terrible, like bad things do happen. Like bad, like no one would say that, what happened to James being murdered by Herod Agrippa is a good thing. That's horrible. Peter being thrown in jail is horrible. The people of God being murdered and being fearful are bad things. And yet God is telling them bad things do happen, but God is in control. He is sovereign over all of this and he Mm. has a purpose, has a goal. And um, yeah, and I just love little servant girl Rhoda. She has faith to see 
what's happening, even when everyone else is terrified. She's like, well, I, that sounds like Peter, so I guess that's Peter. So I just love Rhoda. Isn't it so funny how quick we are to, like, throw in the towel? Like, uh, yeah. like uh, God's like, no, it's over when I say it's over. <laughs> like, it's not over yet. <laughs> it's over when I say it's over, says God. <laughs> that's great. Except he's like, forever. So it's not over. <laughs> It's not over. Eternity. It's not over. Exactly. Uh, well, so thus, thus ends our study of Acts 11 and, and 12, and really the, the end of our first half of Acts. Starting next week, we are going to be looking at uh, Acts, well, the last verse of Acts 12, um, Acts 12, 25, all the way through 14, 28. Uh, and this is the... Uh, the first story of Saul and Barnabas. It's like the beginning of the second half when we really look, look at uh, Paul as the center of, or the main protagonist, if you will, of, of Acts. So um, intrepid listener, make sure you read Acts eleven twenty five all the way through fourteen twenty eight for next week. I feel like we need to get our listeners intrepid listener shirts. Yeah. I would love it. I would love it. And, Thank and you guys. We'll, we'll order five of them for all five of us. That'd be yeah. great. That'd be great. Love it. All right. Well, there you go. Um, you know what? I, why don't I pray for us? So let me pray. Jesus, thank you for being faithful and true. Thank you for the great power of the spirit uh, to help the early church. Uh, thank you for the testimonies of Agabus and Barnabas and Saul and Peter and the church and for Rhoda. Uh, thank you for these testimonies that point us to the great power and even the testimony of Herod Agrippa, the testimony that you are the one that gets all the glory. May you get the glory through our podcast. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Mm. All right. See you next week, guys. Yay. Thank you.